0: 1 800 Insurance, Kathy speaking.
1: Hello. Is this Kathy Young? Yeah. You're the insurance agent who sold Brad Davis a car insurance policy?
2: Davis. Davis. Hmm. 92 Corolla. Yeah, I remember him. Who's asking?
1: My name is Karen Neff. I'm doing a podcast investigating the deaths of Brad Davis and Chris Maxwell. You were supposed to meet with him the night of his death. Do you mind telling me what happened?
2: Listen, lady. I'll tell you the same thing I told the cops. I was on my way, feeling great. I had an easy mark on the hook. And I go and slip my nose open. Would you believe it? Pulled a Huey in the middle of the road and went straight
1: to the hospital. Never made it to the train tracks. Never made the sale. The one that got away. Her alibi was airtight. Hospital records confirmed her story. The only people who were there that fateful day were Chris and Brad. With the understandable stress of two podcasts weighing on their shoulders, is it possible they killed each other? The case is still open. I'm Karen Neff. Welcome to Episode 2 of Murder Case.
3: From Los Angeles, California, it's
1: High On Film!
3: Tonight, we've got Aaron Coleman and Chinatown. I've still got a few teeth left in my head and a few friends in town on tonight's episode. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of High on Film. I'm Chris Maxwell, your host for another week. And welcome. We are still in the middle of a Noirvember to remember. Uh, Not only because we love film noir, but because one of our favorite podcasts uh, premieres this Friday, uh, Death at Sunset. Both uh, myself and the person right to the left of me is very, very, we're both very, very excited about. And we'll get more into that when we get more into that alluded person. Um, today, we're talking about the epitome of neo-noir, uh, widely considered to be one of the most or more perfect movies ever made. Uh, a movie that's hard to forget. We're watching Chinatown for episode 256, directed by Roman Polanski, written by Robert Town uh, Polanski, the last movie he made before fleeing the United States, uh, to evade statutory rape prosecution. And uh, Robert Town won an Oscar for a screenplay of this film. Of course, all the other Oscars this film was nominated for pretty much went to The Godfather II, um, except for uh, Nicholson, who lost to Art Carney, setting off a chain reaction of, uh, what would you call them, like, um, lifetime achievement Oscars in place of who actually deserves them, which screwed Denzel out of one from Malcolm X, ultimately. Funny how that happens. Anyway, the man right to my left is my co-host, and it's important for you to know him. His name is known around the world, (laughs) and that's not, I don't start with his name is why I'm Around the world. Around the world. Around the world. He's known by many names is what I should say. The podcaster of disaster, the man right to my left, and the Brad Davis that God gave us. My co-host and friend, it's Brad Davis,
4: everybody. Chris. Thank you for adhering to contractual obligations. Oh, of course, Brad. Of course. <laughs> yeah.
3: Of course. Brad, Chinatown, nineteen seventy four, <sighs> neo noir classic. ever been to Chinatown? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I have, actually. Yeah. How was your experience there? I, I drove through I've driven through <laughs> Chinatown, I guess yeah. is probably not better. nearly as bad as this one. No, no. I my experience is much better than <laughs> than the experience in this movie. Wonderful. Uh, you love this film, right? Uh, it's a terrific film. I hate how good this film is. Yeah.
3: Uh, it's followed by a sequel, The Two Jakes, directed by Jack Nicholson. Have you seen that?
4: I haven't seen that. That's like, six, that's almost 15 years later? Yeah, or it's it's it, in the 80s. Yeah, like late, late 80s, 80s, early 90s.
3: Might, maybe even 90. Might be.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, and then, of course, the third movie was supposed to be made, but then abandoned after Two Jakes failed. Uh, it was called Giddis vs. Giddis. Oh. Yeah. Bad title. Bad title. I think both Two Jakes and Guinness Givers get us bad titles. Chinatown's a much better title. Chinatown's a great title. Mm-hmm. Um, despite some of the racism it brings with it uh, in this movie. <laughs> yes. Think, yeah. A lot of
4: problems in that, in racism and uh, anti-Semitism in this movie. Yeah.
3: Well, set in the 30s, made in the 70s. Anyway, let's get to our guest. Someone who we're very, very excited to have on. Uh... She's a high on film veteran. She stars in the new season of *Death at Sunset*. Ooh, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty exciting, and we're very lucky to have her. She's a very funny and talented actor. Our friend Aaron Coleman returns to the show. Welcome, Aaron!
2: Yay! Yay! Thank you for having me back. <laughs> Don't forget misogyny, guys. Racism, yeah. anti-semitism. Misogyny. We got our triple threat well, <laughs> It is
3: made by a rapist. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 What are you going to do? What are you going to do? About
2: it's... the 30s made in the 70s, directed by a
4: rapist. The <laughs> so big three. Yeah. That's the big three. It, it is the big is three. Is that what we
2: call a hat trick? <laughs> yes, that that's a hat trick.
3: Yeah.
4: Or a turkey, if you will.
2: Nice.
4: <laughs> three strikes.
3: Yeah. Uh, um... As I was saying, though, yeah, there's a sequel, there's an abandoned third, but it's actually kind of back in uh, culture now because not only is Robert Town and David Fincher developing a Netflix prequel series, mm. but Ben Affleck is making a movie about the making of Chinatown. Mm. And. new um, pop thing to do. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, it's also a big influence on the new Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson, the Batman.
4: Hmm. That's fun.
3: Wow. That's fun. A lot of. It's getting around these days. It's getting it's around. The around 70s these days. are
2: back and they are hotter than ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it makes sense.
3: The 90s were just back. Yeah. Well, the 80s were back and then the 90s were exactly. back. But now we're going back to the 70s.
2: We're obsessed. Yeah, I guess so. Here they come.
3: It
4: was their turn. We got, cult, we got
2: cults. We got Chinatown. Oh, we did get cults. We've got uh, an impeached president. We've got a lot going <laughs> it's on. True. That's very true. The 70s are back. My hair is very long and parted down the middle. This is, we're back, baby. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aaron. We made it. <laughs> have you ever seen this movie before? I have never seen this movie before. I have been to Chinatown many times, but I've never seen this movie. Uh,
3: how, how, how do they compare?
2: Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Well, Chinatown, the place, has uh, way better sandwiches. Mm. Really <laughs> a lot of great sandwich shops and dim sum. Uh, Chinatown, the movie, tight, tight movie. It really is. This is a tight script.
3: Yeah. it's yeah. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, well, before we dig into it any further... Let's, uh, if you've never seen it or you maybe need a quick refresher, Brad and I have prepared a little trailer for you to listen to. Here it is. In a world that's 1930s Los Angeles.
2: Now remember, we live next door to the ocean, but we also live on the edge of a desert.
4: Private eye Jake Gittes will stumble into the case of a lifetime.
2: Middle of a drought and the
3: water commissioner drowns. <laughs> Only in L.A
4: after being duped by a decoy.
0: I don't get tough with anyone, Mr. Giddies. I all you,
4: does. Jack is hired by the real Evelyn Mulray to find out the truth behind her husband's death.
0: You sue me, your husband dies, you drop the lawsuit like a hot potato, all of it quicker than the wind from a duck's ass.
4: He'll square off against one of the most powerful people in the city. You mean he owned the entire water supply for the city? Her dad. Does, uh, my talking about
3: your father upset you? Who hires Jack for his own agenda? Just find the girl. Yes.
0: My father is a very dangerous man. You don't know how dangerous. You don't know how
4: crazy. He'll get in over his head, just like that other time in Chinatown that everyone keeps mentioning. Jesus, it's Chinatown, it. He'll be faced with knives. I goddamn near
3: lost my nose. And I like it. I like breathing through it. Incest.
0: <laughs> my sister and my daughter.
3: And seasonal illness. Summer colds are the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. But the rich always win. Gee, little, I'm doing the best I can.
4: Paramount Pictures presents Faye Dunaway, John Houston. And Jack Nicholson. Let's face it, Jake, you're practically a movie star. You get tough, you get tender, you get close to each other, maybe you even get close to the truth. But apparently, you get nowhere close to a good tagline. Robert Towns, Chinatown. Forget it, Jake, it's
3: Chinatown. Oh, boy, hmm. what a film. Bringing back all the elements of film noir.
2: What a trailer.
4: What a trailer. Not Thank a trailer. you for saying so. yeah. No one ever says
2: that. Almost as groundbreaking as the film itself. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, Aaron, <laughs> you said it. I just agree with Here it.
2: There you yeah.
4: go. <laughs> you flatter us.
2: Well, well. That's how I get my spots on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>
4: she will flatter you even with no idea what you're talking about. That's right. That's right.
3: Well, it's time for one of our favorite games. And now it's time for Trash. Star. Destroy. That's right. It's Trash Star Destroy. Uh, We give you three movies of a similar ilk. We ask you to trash one, which means it's eliminated from existence. You get to star in one, which means you get to take whatever role you'd like to satisfy your fragile ego. Uh, and uh, the food movie then must be destroyed, which means that the only version of that film that ever existed has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay of the island fame.
2: And of the new pandemic movie fame, where the, the it's a, all I know it's a movie where the people who are telling us to shelter in place are the villains and one brave person pulls everyone out of it. <laughs> Are you being serious? I'm being a thousand percent serious. I am Michael Bay <laughs> Wow. I'm being a thousand percent. There is a trailer and everything. And he directed it? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. If my cursor scrolling through Twitter tells me anything. Do you know what it's called? I don't. I don't. This was just one of the Twitter <laughs> outrages from recently.
3: We're going to have to do some research on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, got that's got everything so you excited, want though. in a Michael <laughs> Bay <Bencher. laughs> movie. It's true. Yeah. That's right in his wheelhouse. <laughs> All right, guys, let's do our first Trash Star Destroy category. It's called L.A. Dicks. Speaking of Michael Bay.
2: Uh, (laughs) Three movies with
3: (laughs) private eyes in Los Angeles. Uh, We'll do the movie we just watched, Chinatown. We'll do the, uh, another L.A. Dick, Shane Black's Nice Guys. Uh, And, of course, one of my favorite films, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. (gasps) Chinatown, oh. The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, or oh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit with Roger Rabbit and Bob Hoskins. <laughs> Starring Roger Rabbit <laughs> <Yep>. as himself. <laughs> as himself. That's right. And Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. How about that? In the same movie. What a cast. Who would have thought? <laughs>
4: what a cast. <laughs> what they a have a great cast. Oh, that's a
3: good cast. Yeah. What do you guys want to do with this?
4: I am going to star in Chinatown. Really? Can I direct
0: Chinatown? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, well, I he I mean, needs a new director. It,
4: I mean, that would make it so much better.
3: We're loosey-goosey <laughs> on the rules here. I think you can direct uh, Chinatown.
4: Great. Yeah. Great. Wow. This is We're breaking new ground on Highland Film idea. Day. Yeah. Uh, I'll direct Chinatown. That way I'm working with Jack Nicholson. Nice.
3: And you get a star in it because you get to play the guy who
4: just cuts his nose.
3: Jack Nicholson's
4: Oh, nose. this might be the best decision I've ever made in Trash Star Destroy.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So I'm directing Chinatown. Yeah, awesome. I will. I guess trash nice guys, and then I'm giving Who Framed Roger Rabbit to Michael Bay mm. because I'm just way too curious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. yeah
3: i mean jessica rabbit is made for a michael bay movie yeah that's true (laughs) so all right aaron what are you gonna do with this very hard decision
2: speaking of jessica rabbit ever since i was a little girl i used to go around with long t-shirts adult t-shirts and tie belt around my waist and then go into doorways and be like i'm not bad I'm just around that way. So, <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. So do I get a chance to be Jessica Rabbit? Sign me up. I'm yeah. some star in Who Rained, Roger Rabbit as Jessica Rabbit. And you get to act with Roger Rabbit. A lifelong dream. Yeah, Life. He is a master of the craft. He <laughs> really is. A, a thespian for the ages. Um, I've never heard of or seen nice guys, so trash it. You don't remember that? I have d- never it's seen only a couple it. Of years old. I was Ryan thinking Gossling you were Rester talking Chris. about the Will Ferrell Mark Wahlberg other guys. the other guy the other guys which I was going to give to Michael Bay cuz that'd be super fun. Um I nice think guys I takes
3: the fun out of it actually. <laughs> <laughs> nice guys is a fine movie.
2: I mean, are we do, like uh, what if we have like restrained Early bay, like bad boys' bay, like the oh, original bad boys' bay, right? Then I would, that would be be fun.
4: That's some good bay.
2: That's some good bay.
4: I'll sit on the dock of that, that bay. That bay
2: is my bay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we both, no, we Jesus. both, <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're both in time out.
4: Okay. <laughs> You'll have to edit that out, Chris. Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm going to give Chinatown to Michael Bay because in its current iteration, it is perfect. It's so perfect. It's so good. Uh, let's see it completely. Like blown up, both mm. figuratively and literally, on the other side. That's it. That's that's my choice. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Good yeah. yeah,
3: I can't blame you. Um, I think I'm starring in Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, uh, as uh, Valiant. I think I'm gonna be Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Bud. I figure that's what you're being. Really yeah, doing.
2: that's your heart and soul. That's it's your. That's it's your so heart. Fun. Yeah,
3: that's like a dream role.
2: For you. Yeah, right. that's that's who you are. Yeah, and I get to act with Roger Rabbit. I get and to like handcuff to him for a <laughs> while. That's true. Yeah, it's
3: great. And Christopher Lloyd. And Betty Boop. And Betty Boop. Mm-hmm. Stars of the silver screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I think I think I'm destroying Chinatown for the exact reason Brad's directing it just to get rid of. The Polanski. Oh,
2: that's good.
3: And Smart. yeah, I mean, Nice Guys was fine. I didn't particularly love it. um
2: Give it to Bay. No, I'm trashing it. Oh, you're trashing it. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'll give him Michael Bay Chinatown. Michael oh, Bay okay. is Chinatown.
2: Michael Bay Chinatown. Yeah, we just got to take the director out of Chinatown. Yeah. I think it's over You can take the director out of
3: Chinatown, but you can't take, take the Chinatown, Chinatown out, of
2: the out of the director. Yeah, forget no, it. No, right. no, 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 no. Forget, forget
3: it. It's Chinatown. It's problematic. Yeah. You know where that line comes from, actually? Yeah. Forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. It's uh, because literally in the early century, uh, cops, white cops, would just not even attempt to solve crimes in Chinatown Mm. because they didn't understand the language and it was a very close knit community who didn't like them anyway. Mm -hmm. So they would just like let them have their own. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So if there's ever a a crime, they're just like ignore it. Interesting. Yeah. Racism. Mm. Los Angeles is steeped in it. Alive and well. Yep, exactly. (laughs) All right, guys. One more Trash, Star, destroy category. Let's lighten things back up. Um, Of course, star of Chinatown. He's in every single scene of this film. Jack Nicholson. So let's do three Jack Nicholson classicos. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll do One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. We'll do The Shining. And we'll do The Batman. Not The Batman, but... (laughs)
2: The, the, Batman the Batman
3: movie that he was in, <laughs> not the Batman movie with Adam but Yeah, yeah. Batman, Batman. <laughs> Batman. Tim Burton's Batman. Tim Burton's masterpiece, Batman.
4: Yeah, very hard category. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Very very hard category. I believe that I will be starring in Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. I'm surprised I actually said it. I uh, going between yeah. my head with Cuckoo's Nest and Shining, that's why I crawled towards that answer. Wow,
3: I'm surprised those are your two that you're going back between.
2: That's me. Yeah. I was trying to figure oh, out which one bad, I wanted to start.
4: Well, it's not, not an option. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I understand. I don't know what I'm doing here. I understand. But I gotta I think it's more most important to keep Cuckoo's Nest as is. I think that's the best movie of the three. Although it's clo- Shining and that are both classics, yeah. in my opinion. Cuckoo's wins all the Oscars, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I think that's the best movie of the three, just by, by a hair. So I will star in that movie as, I guess, the... Uh, I'll be DeVito, I guess. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, actually, scratch that. I'm going to be the kid, the younger guy who... Um has sex for the first time. Oh, yes, yeah. Just because the role you were born to play. <laughs> well played, Aaron Coleman. Um because I'd rather work with Devito and Christopher Lloyd rather than take their roles where mm. well like I don't remember his name. That kid is very good in that movie. Uh I think I would take that role in order to work with them. So that means I guess I'm trashing The Shining.
0: Mhm.
4: Because it makes more sense to give Batman to Bay. hmm And even with Michael Bay directing that, if it's Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, you'll be fine. hmm You can only fuck that up so much. Yeah. With those two. Uh, Brad Dorif mm-hmm. is the actor's name
3: from... Uh... Cuckoo. Yeah, from Cuckoo. Well, he's also in Deadwood, and I believe he's the voice of Chucky. I believe. Terrifying. Wow. Yeah. Is that what he, is that what he does? he has got range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Good for him. I am. Now you're taking away his, one of his early successes. He, yeah. <laughs> Huge success. Yeah. He's great in that movie. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I want to be Batman.
4: You're taking it from Keaton. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You're going to piss so many people off. Will I? They'll never know. You, better be, back... you better be a good Batman, then.
3: Well, the, of course. I mean, he faced the same uphill battle with Batman. People were like, are you serious? You're giving it to this guy? This comedian? This comedian? And look what he did with it. I could be a good Batman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be all right. All right. I, I Probably am a better Bruce Wayne than a Batman.
4: I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Oh, you're,
2: Too bad. You're dark and twisty. Oh, you Batman-town. That's yeah. sweet. I don't think that's true, but that's <laughs> sweet of you to say. <laughs>
3: Depends on the day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
2: Worked with you. Um,
3: and then, now we have a very hard decision to make, though, because I guess I'm... Trashing cuckoo's nest to mm-hmm. give Michael Bay the Shining. I do think a Michael Bay Stephen King adaptation would be something to behold. Um, yeah, he'd probably treat uh, Shelley Duvall about as terribly as <laughs> Kubrick did. Yeah, true. <laughs> Not that that's a good thing, but yeah. No, no. Draw a weird parallel. Net yeah. zero. <laughs> Is that zero? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's what I, I have to do there.
2: Great Yeah Thanks Yeah yeah I'm into it yeah. uh, When I was younger mm-hmm. I used to wear long t-shirts With a belt on <laughs> it, And uh-huh. I would listen to the Prince song From the Batman movie <laughs> And when the Vicki Vale part came on uh-huh. I would strut into the room And I'd go Bats Because that was her part in the song So I think I was born to play her Vicki Vale, Vicky vale. Um, I think we're getting a, a real good a glimpse Into my
4: childhood. Yeah it. wow
2: <laughs> Um I would alright, so I know both the Shining and Cuckoos are uh are classics, and I'm so sorry, these are completely my own my own issues. But uh Cuckoo's Nest I would trash because I used to work with someone uh at a restaurant who called me Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> and- <laughs> Oh, interesting. There you go. Nurse Ratchet. Uh, so that's gone. Also then Ryan Murphy couldn't make Ratchet. And then um oh. and then I'll I think. I also want to see Michael Bass The shining. So I think it would be amazing. Yeah.
3: It would be something else. I d I, I don't even know where to start with it. Like I mean, the whole house would blow up at the end, I imagine. Yeah, of course. Also,
2: one of my very first plays in L.A. was an all-woman's dance theater adaptation of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And i got to tell you, I think it was better than the movie. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. It was Big terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no. No. And if I what, trashed it.
3: One of the three movies that none won of that would happen. Happen.
2: <laughs> I would have been called Miss Ratchet. That terrible play would have never happened. Yeah. That's fair. That's yeah. a, I like that. They're huh? very personal reasons. Yeah. No offense to a, a, a masterpiece of a movie. I'm taking. It. I hope
3: that butterfly effect works out for you. Yeah. <laughs> you, really, you're you're, you're fixing your I past really on today's show. <laughs> yeah.
2: We are working through it. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more high film, more Chinatown, and more Aaron Coleman after this. Looking for a new take on an old detective. Tired of the sharp, hard-boiled dick in a well-pressed suit? Then you'll love Elliot Gould's shambling, crumpled-suit mumblecore Philip Marlowe in Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye. Another achievement of the 70s neo-noir resurgence that Altman knew novelist Raymond Chandler would hate. Smoke him if you got him because nothing says goodbye like a bullet. Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye.
1: The boys were at the top of their game riding the forefront of a podcast craze that was sweeping the nation. Every waking moment was spent either prepping and hosting High on Film or writing and rehearsing Death at Sunset. It was an unaired episode of High on Film from 2017 covering the Happy Time Murders that finally broke them.
4: Best scene! Brad, what's the best scene in the Happy Time Murders? Uh, Jack, there was never a time I was happy about murders, until today. Brad, what are you doing? This is High On Film, now available on Spotify. What? Oh, damn it. I just can't keep it straight anymore. We have too many podcasts. We're burning the candle at both ends. Am I the co-host from the couch, or am I Jerry the bartender? Am I the co-host or Jerry? Co-host, Jerry, co-host, Jerry! Get it together! We have a guest. Why isn't one podcast ever good enough for you? We have money. We have fame. How much better can you eat? What can't you buy that you couldn't already afford? The future. You either bring the people to the podcast or you bring podcasts to the people. You've lost it, man. I can't do this anymore. I quit.
3: And we're back. Chinatown. We're digging into it now. I know we've kind of giving you some spoilers already but hey you're gonna get a whole onslaught of them here because it's time for some scene work. Of course if it isn't already very obvious to you we are an optimistic podcast so we will start things off optimistically with <coughs> best scene. What's the best scene in Chinatown? We'll do a ranking a three, two, one the scenes for each one of us, and we can kind of uh, chime in as we see fit in this open forum discussion here. Who would like to go first? Anyone have them ranked?
4: I I have them ranked. Go ahead. I believe the third best scene <laughs> uh-huh. is uh, the is less of a scene and more of a character, which is Noah Cross. Oh sure. John Maybe Houston. one of the best villains of all time. Like, probably doesn't get enough credit for being one of the uh, worst, I mean, worst uh, characters mm-hmm. uh, on film. He is reprehensible mm-hmm. and re- uh, represents so many of the things wrong with our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and the kind of overarching menace that he has throughout this, it's not a great way to word that, but like, oh, that he has throughout this movie. Where even when he's not on screen, you just feel his presence is awesome, is killer. I think it they do such a great job of creating this villain and building up this villain. Uh, two is the scene at uh, Evelyn's house, the uh, my daughter, my, my sister, sister, my daughter, okay. my sister, sure. my daughter. The slapping her in the face a lot aside. The build-up to that scene and the intensity in that scene is terrific. Oh, Tunaway gives a hell of a performance in that scene. Oh
2: my gosh.
3: Yeah. Um, And you know what I love, too? Because you think so many things click into place, and at the end of the scene they throw out that, uh, oh, those aren't Hollis's glasses. He didn't wear bifocals. Mm -hmm. And everything just like, wait, I thought this was all figured out! And then it all's falling apart again. I, I really love that. It's a nice little cherry on top of that scene
4: well and another cherry on top of that scene is when the daughter comes downstairs and she says we're leaving we're going to 1712 Alameda yeah and then you like the quick close up and do you know where that is sure yeah on the phone <laughs> and, Like it's Chinatown yeah well when she Evelyn Evelyn says it to him when they're standing oh, on the oh, stairs on you know where that and is and then they do like a little push in to, Jack's, to Jake's face yeah Um, both Jake and Jack's face same person there yeah. you go and number 1 is the end. Yeah. The climax in Chinatown. Mm. It's awesome. It's so good. I'm it's chilling. It, so many things go wrong. You get the line, the one of the greatest lines and the the build up of what Chinatown also the way they kind of build up Chinatown and kind of give you little pieces of the backstory of w- everything that happened to him and for him to be back there and for all for all of it happened For all of it to happen again just plays out perfectly with who Jake is.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And you're right. I mean, Houston is so evil at the end of that and so believable. And I will say, I am captivated by his voice. He has such a good voice on him. Um, and he
2: plays it with the like the easygoing affability of a man who is so used to getting his way and the world just works out for him like there's not he he doesn't overplay it there's no brooding sinister aspect to who he is it's just he he trusted that the way the character was written the backstory of the character was so evil and houston in no way like leans into it or overplays it it's 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 a it's a deft masterful touch because you can see how this guy got away with all of his all of his evil doings working in business and being a pillar of the community and doing charity because he's just he has that I don't know how to like you you know you meet a a billionaire CEO and you're like there's skeletons in the closet but they don't go around like with a cape brooding like <laughs> yeah, acting yeah, evil yeah. they act very they very easygoing life goes their way no matter what yeah it was just so good yeah
3: um and Dunaway too in that scene is just at the end of her rope, and it's mm-hmm. she's just so good, like just so desperate, mm-hmm. just trying to get away. It's 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 outstanding. It is a very depressing uh, end, but man, it, they just act the hell out of it, and it's so good.
2: Well, and the implications too, right? Like the cops are always going to protect the rich, and the yep. granddaughter daughter daughter is going with the abuser, and there's not you can fight and, and all of the things they were doing with water and, and incorporating the valley and all of that like larger crypt like it, it'll just go on it'll live mm-hmm. to see another day exactly. there's nothing you can do you can fight the good fight and the bad guys are still gonna win yeah which just feels apt for this moment it does, <laughs> it, it does yeah
3: again the 70s are back baby yeah <laughs> <laughs> And right, what about you? Three, two, one for these scenes. Uh,
2: they're they're almost the same. Um, mm-hmm. I would say three for me actually is uh, Dunaway's introduction, where she says, "I don't get tough, my lawyer does," and she just comes in like so powerful and ice queeny and just '30s glamour radiating off of her. Um, it just left an impression with me. And then, well, and
3: you get the reveal that it's. Not that, it's that she's not, the real, yeah, she's Mulray, the real the wife and there's Jake definitely is. something
2: going on here. It's like just such a beautiful introduction to the deeper story.
3: Yeah,
2: um, And then I, I'm with Brad. The uh, uh, daughter sister scene is uh, an insane reveal and act and Dunaway just is amazing through that entire thing and all the other things we talked about. And then I've already talked about why the insane scene is my favorite and why it's so chilling.
3: Yeah. yeah. I'm with you guys. Number one for me is the climax at the end. Um, number two for me is the sister daughter. Uh, but my number three is actually a, a different one. Uh, I'm going with the uh, Jake Cross showdown mm. in Evelyn's backyard where Jake confronts mm-hmm. Noah with the glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows him the little obituaries, like, makes him take out his glasses, and he goes, Hey, you dropped these, you killed him. And then Noah gives that great speech, which is exactly what you were talking about, Aaron, where he's like, He's like, what can't you buy? Like, I don't get it. And he's like, it's the future. Mm -hmm. It's the power. It's the money. And it's just so just megalomaniac, Mm insanity-driven power.
2: And Uh, then just like the easy way when his man comes up and puts the gun to Jack Nicholson's head. And he's just like, it's not worth it for you to keep fighting this fight. I'm going to win. And again, it's not like an overplayed supervillain. He just says it so matter-of-factly. Like, this is not worth your time. I'm going to win. And
4: that's what I love about that scene, too, is uh, Jake throws everything out on the table. Like, I got the glasses. I got all this evidence on you. And he smiles, basically, and goes into this whole thing like, just, you know, another great day in the life of a rich person. Mm -hmm. It's a great scene. Well, Evelyn
3: says in the climax, right before she dies, he owns the police. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, let the police handle this. Yeah, Whew. he owns the police. Yeah,
3: what a movie! But yeah, I mean, it—it it cannot be said enough just how tight this script is. Everything about it is so that all the screws are just perfectly tightened. Mm-hmm. It, all even when um, Burt Young comes back around, Curly comes back around at the end. Like it's such a good uh, comeback for mm-hmm. him. Like you're like, oh, I know this character. I mean. Burt Young's a great actor. He, of course, he comes back around. Same thing with James Hong. Of course, they end up going to his house mm-hmm. in Chinatown. That's why they get into Chinatown. It's all so well-written through and through. Not, not one thing
4: is wasted. Glasses in the water. Yeah. Salt water. water in the pond.
3: Mm-hmm. Ugh.
4: Uh, could go on for days. I could. have so many notes of best scenes <laughs> yeah. that I had to not put in the top three.
3: Yeah. All right, guys, well... If there's a best scene, and there are a lot of them, I guess it must mean there's a worst scene? Worst scene. What are they? Three, two, one? Are there that many?
2: I don't think so. That was that was my challenge in watching this. I mean, I'm going to let you guys talk about it, and I'll probably be like, okay, that makes sense. But I, I that's when I realized how tight this script was, because I was like, even things that I don't necessarily like are absolutely necessary for the flow of how tight this script is.
4: Yeah. I think, f- for me, I-, I knew we were going to discuss at least somewhat the racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, domestic violence. So I had that written as three, mm-hmm. just because I knew we would kind of address that and discuss that anyway. Uh, because it's hard to find so many like bad scenes in this movie. Uh, number two. Two, for me, is the racist joke that Mm -hmm. he tells right before as Evelyn stands in the doorway. Because it goes on so long, because it's a terrible joke, because it's one of those scenes where in real life somebody would be like, hey, dude, stop Mm -hmm. it. We have a client here. Mm -hmm. Like It's just not believable that they would actually let him finish that joke more than Mm -hmm. anything else, really. And actually, the number one scene, my worst scene, is such a... um, small thing but it's the scene when Jake goes to the water department and says oh he's expecting me I'll just go wait in his office and the woman at the front or secretary secretary is like no 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 don't go in there and then he just walks in and basically is able to walk that office for two to three minutes Mm -hmm. just searching through drawers and then the the guy who works for the uh, water and power comes in like we're just really on high alert around here right now and things are you know and to me when things are going like that I don't know how you allow a stranger to just lurk in someone's office for two to three minutes
3: well I think because the secretary realized that she wasn't going to be able to get Jake out by herself so she immediately went to get that dude. Right. And if we know anything about his behavior later, he's kind of dismissive. Like he He's dismissive of everybody. Yeah. I, I, so he might have just been like, you know, like Jake in the other scene, like, hey, just go, like, leave me alone or like no. Some dude's going through Hollis's office. Right. And he's like, oh shit, okay. And then he goes to get him out. That's my justification of it. It's a
4: fine justification. It makes sense. Yeah. Or so she
2: had to find him or what, like there yeah. is that travel right. time. Yeah. Because we're it in the 30s. It it's not like she can just text him or like yeah. buzz him.
4: I've seen this movie a few times and it this time, time. It, it, it's got me before. This time it felt like he was in there for ages. Mm-hmm. It was the longest mm-hmm. it ever felt. I was like, he's just walking around this office snooping around. Yeah. Um, so that's my number one in just nitpicking, trying to find poor scenes that don't really exist.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I went number three. There's a little camera shift, like a sudden camera shift. And it goes slightly out of focus uh, when Jack Nicholson's on the screen in like the, some of the final moments of the film after uh, Evelyn is killed. And they run up to her body. And I, it's like someone hit the camera. I'm just saying that. I mean, it's the You're only time. You're
2: like, we didn't have another take of the
3: cam. Well, yeah. <laughs> I actually like it. Mm-hmm. um because I think it adds to the kind of like insanity of that in the chaos of that last moment but I'm just saying it because it's the only time the camera's ever out of focus in this entire movie and it looks like it probably was like a a happy accident rather than something they actually planned uh number two for me is uh the bloody nose makeout. out just gross uh his nose is a mess with this vicious slit in it and they just go and just start making out with Evelyn and I'm just like Oh, guys, you're not that much in love that you're. Or you're not that much in lust with each other to put a new bandage on it first or something, man.
4: And the for a movie with such a great script and great dialogue, the leading up to that kiss about the oh, yeah. color in her eye. is agreed. Not exactly. agreed. Special. I was.
2: I, I was writing a. She's too good for him. And B. <laughs> yeah. Like where? Where's this coming from? Like we're having it. For plot purposes, but there wasn't enough lead up for me for it to feel that believable. Well, they didn't have
3: that postal service song back then, so it was very, <laughs> yes. it was very romantic of him to bring it up because everyone doesn't know that. Uh, yes, 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 yes. I'm trying to think of that. the Something in our, our eyes. eyes. Our... Or, is it freckles or something? I think a sign that the freckles in our eyes. Yeah.
2: Or something perfectly, yeah. and when we kiss, they're perfectly aligned. Right, exactly.
3: Yes. Maybe that's they saw Chinatown. They're like,
2: maybe that's what it is. Bloody nose
3: makeout. I got to write a love song. <laughs> bloody <laughs> nose makeout. Uh, <laughs> bloody nose makeout. And number one for me, yes, is the um, uh, brimming racism and misogyny of <laughs> yeah, this it's film. Rampant. So, in so much as yet, yeah, they use a you know a, a Chinese pigeon to as a plot point uh, when the gardener. Can't say the R, he pronounces an L, so it's bad for the glass. Mm. And that's mm. how you know it's saltwater in the pond, because it's bad for the grass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's a whole plot point. It's a, <laughs> it's a big plot, plot. point. <laughs> it really is. Oh, uh, yeah. Good point.
2: <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, yes, I mean, you know, the good old fashioned Hollywood racism throughout is cringeworthy um not to say
3: that's not accurate for the 1930s or the no 70s, of course to be honest with you but
2: and especially for the view of chinatown in la in the 30s as well like, oh definitely yeah
3: they completely plowed it over to put union station there yeah and made a move a couple miles north
2: yep yeah. yes
3: never mind your community we have a train station to put here
2: it's a beautiful train station but still it's a really <laughs> horrible At what cost there <laughs> great um I would say that uh, the 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 most misogynistic thing that stuck out to me was I think I was heightened I had a heightened sensitivity to it because we were talking about Roman Polanski right as the film started and and how horrible he is and in the very first scene we we're just getting like just graphic pictures of this woman in the grass with this man I, I I didn't know that we needed as many and it's not that I'm being a prude it's that when she was introduced later. You know when we see when we meet her as Curly's wife, she has an unaddressed black eye that we, as the audience, are just supposed to be like, well, what? she deserved oh, I it. Address- <laughs> 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 I think it's very addressed. It's pretty addressed. Well, yeah, like, but like, it's not addressed in the script. It's just very clearly like this woman deserved it. Curly's still a good guy for punching her and giving her a black eye uh we saw her in explicit congress at the top of this film so um you know and and because we we're, we were talking about polanski and we see this woman the the graphic pictures of this woman and then we go into the uh, jacks you know like condescension of the red-haired woman that he originally thinks is the wife and like all right sweetheart do you love your husband well then put it aside you shouldn't worry about like he's so condescending and i know it's necessary for him to try to brush her aside because it's the inciting incident but it was just like all of it together on top of being directed by polanski was just all of those moments rang so icky for me
3: yeah i i I will say the the brushing aside of when she said when he thinks she's like my husband cheating. He's like, oh really? Oh, yeah. I think that's more because he is a detective for marital infidelity. Yes, he's so used it's to like, it. oh really? Like I think it's more like everyone's cheating on there. Yeah, it's just one of the way you talk,
2: You're, you're like, go home, sweetheart. You're yeah. a hysterical woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not going to defend it too hard. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: All right, guys. Pretty good scene work, yeah. I mean, not a lot to really complain about outside the racism. times. Yeah, outside of
2: the <laughs> yeah, times. Of the times. Of the times. <laughs> and the uh, director.
4: And the director, yeah. And Jake's just need to litter. And Jake mm. need the litter. Yeah, he litters a lot. Litter's really. all over
2: the place. Come
3: on,
4: bro. You're in California. Why are you throwing
2: everywhere. cigarette butts in the water? I yeah. hate that. That's a pet peeve of mine, anyway.
3: Oh sure. Yeah. yeah. That's
2: gross. <laughs> so gross. That's gross.
3: All right, guys. Well, it's time for our final game. It's time for. <laughs> Guys, it's America's number one favorite podcast game, Milking It. We're going to roll out the big computer of Hollywood Ideas 2000 here in just a minute, and it's going to provide each one of us with a couple of suggestions. Uh, one will be a pitch, uh, which is either an elevator, a water cooler, or a boardroom pitch, and that will determine how much time you have to make a pitch for a brand new movie to the executives. Either 30 seconds, one American minute, or 90 seconds. The second thing the computer will give you will be a genre, a prequel, a sequel, a director, or an actor card. And uh, with that, you will take it and reimagine a brand new film, twisting the characters and the plot and style of Chinatown any way you want to make a brand new movie. Uh, Title and a quick summary will be required of you in your pitch time. And we'll see if we can sell a couple more movies to put a few more bucks in the big Hollywood's pocket. Comprende? Sounds good. Great. In. Terrific. Let's roll out the big computer of Hollywood ideas, why don't we? see what did the print out give us oh i'm first with the elevator pitch 30 seconds and i will be doing chinatown as a quentin tarantino film okay
4: all right yeah fun i can see that
3: yeah Yeah, that'd be nice. Hey, at least we get rid of Roman Polanski. That'd be
4: great. Yeah, yeah. The main thing we want to do with this movie. Right, right. Get rid of that.
2: Tarantino's not the best replacement. but He's he's not the worst either. At least not the monster that Polanski is. He's not
4: a criminal. criminal. He was just the
2: the director of a monster. He was the favorite director of another Hollywood monster, Harvey Weinstein. Correct. Indeed.
4: (laughs) But he just
3: made a movie about Roman Polanski. (laughs)
2: Of course it well, is. Well, not about
3: Roman Plansky. It had Roman Planski in it. Yes. Once to put out in Hollywood. Plug. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite movie of last year. <laughs> Say what you will about me. Uh, Brad,
0: <laughs> you're I next
3: always do. with the water cooler pitch. I got a water cooler pitch. One American Minute for you to pitch. A sci-fi thriller oh, of Chinatown. Very interesting. Yes. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Could <laughs> <laughs> be. Only time can tell. And Aaron...
2: I have a boardroom pitch. You're
3: getting the full 90 seconds to pitch to the executives. Of
2: a Bobby De Niro vehicle of Chinatown. Bobby De Niro in Chinatown. I call him Bobby. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> like I like His it. friend's calling Bobby.
3: Yeah. Uh, okay, let's take a few minutes, gather our thoughts, and we'll come back with some Hollywood blockbusters. All right, we're getting started with me, my elevator pitch, 30 seconds. For a Quentin Tarantino Chinatown. Ready? Count it down in three, two, one. Alright, Jake is an outcast detective in sunny, increasingly health-conscious, optimistic 1990s Los Angeles. He's hired by a guy who thinks his wife, a famous actress, is sleeping with another man. Jake investigates, hailing her to the studio lot and into the offices of her studio bosses. She finds that she's being blackmailed with her career to have a sexual relationship with her producer, a la Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Jake finds out they have a love child uh, and are fighting over it. And in the end, uh, the actress gets her revenge and kills the evil producer in the street to protect her child in Quentin Tarantino's Hollywoodland.
2: Ooh. Hmm. Really good and right on time. That was tight. Tight as hey. the script.
3: The elevator moves fast in Hollywood. <laughs> is there another movie called Hollywood Land? There is with Isn't Ben Affleck. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. uh, I never saw that one, actually. But that's yeah, it's, it's about um,
4: George Reeves. The original George, or, Superman. Yeah. Which one? Because it's George Reeves. Or is that George Reeve? George Reeve and Christopher Reeves. Yes, that's what it is. Yes. yeah. I was confused the two last names. Superman, them both.
3: Brad, you're next, right? You have the water cooler?
4: I have the the water
3: cooler, correct. Yeah. One American minute on the clock. Okay. For the sci-fi thriller we've
4: all been waiting for. Of course. In three, two, one. We're going to start from the end of Chinatown. So the first scene we see is the climax scene. And everything, of course, goes terrible. They're walking away, and we walk with Jake and his two partners. And they are... Um, walking down the road, everythings you're kind of seeing it all fall apart behind them and they tell Jake that they have a way he can fix it. They know a way to go back in time and he can do all of this over again and try to make it right. Now, they don't know, they know they can give a rough estimate of where he will end up back in time, but they're not 100% sure where. So, of course, when he goes, he ends up right back to where he's getting his nose slit. (laughs) And then it's Jake trying to uh, get to know a cross sooner and just seeing how power, like no matter at what point you go back and like you try to fix things, power will still beat you. And he tries to convince her to leave town sooner. It doesn't work. And then the same fallout happens in the climax, except this time the daughter gets shot in the head and Mrs. Mulray goes to jail in Forget It, Jake. For, forget forget it, Jake. it, Jake or Forget,
2: forget Jake. It, Jake? Forget It, Jake.
4: Forget It,
3: nice. Jake. Nice. Okay, yeah, I like that. A uh,
2: little well, Back to the Future element.
3: Well, I, yeah, and very consistent with the themes of this movie. I like that the power is always in charge no matter what you do. Can't beat it. Yeah. Mm. That's sad. <laughs> Guys, I, I it feel it like works. we're doing yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, that it works. <laughs> it, that it works. I feel
2: like everyone's in a real good headspace. <laughs> yeah. It's fun doing a comedy show. In November. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. no. right, Aaron Coleman, you have a minute and a half. In front of the executives. Oof. I hope you brought your power suit.
2: I sure did. Great. <laughs> shoulder pads and everything.
3: Gotta have the shoulder pads. Robert De Niro is starring in this version of Chinatown. Away you go.
2: So this is a prequel. Bobby D is an American-born orphan who is adopted by Chinese immigrants. He works his way into working for the head of household for one of the wealthiest families in Los Angeles. Uh, and ends up bonding with the daughter of the family. Takes over as a strong father figure in her life, of in the life of her and her daughter. Then he is deeply protective. We when we initially see Jack, he is extremely suspicious, uh, but eventually realizes Jack's good intentions. He becomes an ally in the fight, even directing the staff to aid him, like the the gardener slash fishing mm-hmm. pond. Uh, We this movie coincides with the end of the original Chinatown. At the end of the movie, he vows to take on the fight and protect the daughter at all costs, suiting him up for a hero sequel where he enlists his community to go after uh, Houston's character. Um, And in this, when he enlists his character in the sequel, it gives an it gives a chance for Chinese and Chinese American actors to have more fleshed out roles within so like rather than just extras within we we really get into the community of chinatown as they fight the powers within los angeles and we we get deeper into that so the first movie is con and the second movie is chinatown rising
3: wow nice all right okay very nice quality stuff Yeah. yeah that was great good job a nice addition to Robert De Niro's uh, oeuvre.
2: I think we have some uh, some solid movies here. Yeah, he'd be guys. a
3: fool not to sign on. He'd
2: be a fool. I, I was initially worried about taking a role away from a person of color and giving it to a white man, but I'm hoping that we can then open it up in the sequel to give more diverse casting options. I like that. Yeah.
3: I like that. It was very considerate. Thank you. And that's how you play Milking It. <laughs>
4: Masterfully.
3: That's right. <laughs>
0: that's right. All of us.
3: Well, guys, we only have one more segment, uh, and it's a little thing uh, that goes like this. Aaron Coleman, you just watched Chinatown. What are you going to do next?
2: I'm going to go to the actual Chinatown and eat a bunch of cool stuff. It is a culinary central point in Los Angeles. Not only does it have some of the best sandwich shops, Coles, right? Coles, which is the French dip. It also has Jewel of New Orleans, which is a... uh, New Orleans Cajun-style Poe boy Sandwich Shop. It has wax paper, where all of the sandwiches are named after NPR figures. Uh, in Los Angeles, it has um, Howlin' Ray's, home of the or Nashville Hot Chicken.
4: I've had Howlin' Ray's. It's not amazing. Only, not,
2: and it also has some of the best dim sum within Los Angeles, barring the San Fernando Valley. So it is. it is always a joy of mine to go spend a day exploring a neighborhood's food in Los Angeles. And Chinatown is definitely on my list.
3: I think it's uh, Philippe's actually is the one closer to. There's, China.
2: but they're within walking distance. Like Coles is in is in walk. Little Tokyo. Then, like they're really close to each other. I feel like.
3: Yeah, Coles is down towards Little Tokyo.
2: Yeah, and they're they're Kohl's. like neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. A little far. I used to walk dogs in that neighborhood, <laughs> so I would walk the dogs through Little Tokyo and then Chinatown and. To the train station and then back to the Arts District. I know that walk, my friend. Sure. <laughs> I haven't
3: walked. To, to to
2: <laughs> I've walked the whole thing. Uh, and then I would also check out uh, the most recent That's What She Said election special show. Uh, hopefully we're watching it in a, an exciting time. Uh, and it, it's available through a YouTube link on my Instagram at Aaron H. Coleman. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent.
4: Brad Davis. You Perfect. just watched Chinatown. I did. What are you going to do next? I'm going on. I, I want to see some Nicholson movies I haven't seen before. The one in particular that I've been meaning to see for years and I've still never seen is Preetzi's Honor. Oh yeah, I've not seen that. I either. have always wanted to see that movie. I hear it's damn good. Future and podcast ta- movie. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but talking about all these great Nicholson performances and watching one got me in the mood. Got you
3: in the mood. Got me I in got, the got mood. it. I got it. It's a great actor. He you know,
4: I great. actually just saw. Uh, just saw
3: this year. I saw Ironweed, his movie with Meryl Streep, and absolutely hated it. I will pass on that it one. It was then. really bad. When is it from? Uh, it's late eighties, like 87, 88.
2: I mean, it's the best a... thing to come out of the eighties is sitting right here at this table, guys. Rather <laughs> than that. It was it. a rough time. You charmer,
4: <laughs> Chris. You just watched Chinatown. What are you going to do next?
3: Oh, man. Brett, you know, I am going to anticipate our next November movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is Brick, which I'm very excited to watch again. Ryan Johnson's Brick. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, should be said that all these movies are influ- influenced Death at Sunset. All of them have influenced Death at Oh, Death at Sunset. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Our, our other podcast. Our right. other podcast. Right. Yes. Which, funny enough, uh, episode one of season two... Home is Where the Plate Is, comes out this Friday. This Friday? <gasps> this very Friday. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Friday November 13th. 2020. This Friday. Yes, sir. Wow. It will be released everywhere you can find your podcast. And you know what? Our guest, this person right here, our guest today, Aaron Coleman,
2: stars as Teresa Getz. I do. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna listen to Death at Sunset. Oh. That's that's what I'm gonna do next.
3: Well, me too, Aaron.
2: Yeah, I'm excited.
0: Yeah,
3: me too. I'm so excited. Mm. And we hope you're excited to listen to Death at Sunset and more high on film when we re- when we return next week. Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me, and thank you for introducing me to this wonderful movie. Oh, my
3: pleasure. I feel thank like you. it goes
2: better when I'm on here when you guys give the movie than when I give the movie. Hmm.
3: <laughs> feel like all your episodes have been very successful i thank you. you're, you're, a, you're a great guest and that's why we keep having you back not because we're close
4: friends <laughs> that has nothing to do with yeah
3: brad davis thank you as always my friend
4: a pleasure sir as always
3: and uh listeners thank you for listening week to week and now for listening to two podcasts of us every week we love you so much thanks for listening goodbye
4: Good. I'm glad you're leaving. You never had a voice for radio anyway. How fucking dare you. You know I wasn't going to, but I'm going to start my own podcast now. Oh, good. I'm sure Brad watches A Few Good Men
3: over and over and over again will do really well.
4: Oh, yeah. A bunch of movies you've never fucking seen with Chris Maxwell will top the charts for sure. Whatever. I'll kill you in the reviews. I'll murder you in the five-star ratings. I'll decapitate you in subscribers. I'll pay a drunk 20 bucks to stab you in the kidney down a dark alley and watch you bleed out slowly in total downloads.
1: There was clearly animosity between the two, but they weren't the only ones who wanted each other dead. Next time, we'll take a closer look at who wasn't at the crime scene on Murder Case. High On Film is a Maxwell Davis Productions podcast. For more information, follow at High On Film on Twitter
3: and Instagram, or email the show at thehighonfilmshow@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Original music by Zach Pfeiffer. Special thanks to Carly Walsh for lending her voice to this episode.